theyeshiva.net. I chose today, this week, to learn a mimer from Shabbos Parshas Kairach, since this week is Kairach. And this is a mimer, a discourse, that was shared by the Lubavitcher Rebbe on the Shabbos Kairach, Shabbos Parshas Kairach, which happened to be Gimel Tammuz, the third day of Tammuz, Tovshin Chai, Tovshin Yudches, which would be 1958. So that's why you, if you open up your uh, source sheets, you'll see on top it says, Beis Samach Dalet, Shabbos Parshas Kairach, Gimel Tammuz, Hey Tovshin Chai. At that Fabreng in Shabbos Kairach, the Lubavitcher Rebbe shared this mimer, and this week is, of course, Shabbos Kairach. This week is, of course, also Gimel Tammuz. Now, Gimel Tammuz, the third day of Tammuz, uh, now is known as the yard site of the Rebbe. The Rebbe's passing was on Gimel Tammuz in the year Tov Shedon 1994, on the third day of Tammuz, which was on a Sunday, Metzai Shabbos on a Sunday. That year, 1958, Gimel Tammuz was on Shabbos, Shabbos Kairach Gimel Tammuz. But many years before that, in 1927, for those who know a little bit of Russian uh, history, in 1927, Gimel Tammuz was another significant day. What happened was, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, the predecessor of the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe, was arrested by the Bolsheviks. Remaining one of the few leaders in Russia who preserved Yiddishkeit under the darkest tyranny of the communist era, he was finally arrested and sentenced to death by a firing squad. By a firing squad, then it was commuted a commuted sentence to ten years exile in Stalin's Gulag. Then it was commuted to three years, and uh, then. He was released a few days later. He was imprisoned Tasvav Sivan Tofrej Pezayan, the 15th of Sivan, 1927. And he was tortured there. It was, uh, it was a horrific ordeal. But on Gimel Tammuz, he was set free from prison. They sent him to exile, which uh, exile was no, uh, you know, was no lolly. From going from prison to the gulag was no treat. But Gimel Tammuz was the day that they set him free. They took him out of prison, the Spalerka, Spalerka prison in Leningrad, which still today looks fearsome. I saw it. I was there. It was, as the, the saying went, when you went in, you didn't, very few people made it out of that building. It's still, you could still see the, 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 the titanic, uh, scary terror that the building uh, inculcates in your heart, a sense of dread. The Spalerka prison, that's where the Rebbe was arrested by the Evsekzia. The Evsekzia was the Jewish uh, party, the Jewish section of the Communist Party, whose uh, hatred to Jews and Judaism was uh, incredible, incredible. And the Rebbe was arrested, and Gimel Tamos, Tofresh Pezai, in 1927, he was let out of prison, but he was sent to exile. Ten days later, Yud Beis Tammuz, the twelfth day of Tammuz, and Yud Gimel Tammuz, he was set free completely, and uh, he had to leave Russia, and he left Russia at the end of 1927. That was Gimel Tammuz. So at the time, it was like a bittersweet day. He was out of prison, so that was the good news. The bad news is he was going to exile. He was sent to a place called Kastrama. 
But it turned out that from a 10-year sentence in the Gulag, it became a three-year sentence, then it became a 10-day sentence. Now, how that happened is a whole story, extraordinary story, but it's not for today. And uh, Yud Beis Tammuz, Yud Gimel Tammuz, 10 days after Gimel Tammuz, he was released from his exile in Kastra Maoso, and he could return home to his family. I'm giving this background because you'll see the Rebbe is going to mention that since he said this Maimer on Gimel Tammuz, which was the Chag HaGeula, a celebration of his father-in-law, and it wasn't only a personal celebration of his father-in-law in Russia. His father-in-law was uh, literally responsible for, uh, in that, those years, all of Judaism was shut down in the communist, uh, in, the, in the Soviet Union. And the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, like a lion, uh, he built, I believe, 600 underground Jewish schools, approximately 600 underground Jewish schools. You're talking about uh, extraordinary numbers, a whole underground of, of Yiddishkeit in Russia that was incredible, just incredible. And the underground continued throughout the communist era until the fall of communism in 1989 and 1990. So that day had its own historic significance, Gimel Tammuz. Of course, many years later, became the Yartzeit, the Yom of the Rebbe. So this week, which is the, the week of the Rebbe's Yartzeit, Yartzeit is on Thursday, Gimel Tammuz, I thought it would be appropriate to learn this Maimer on Kairach. Now, it begins with a different subject, and the second paragraph goes into Kairach. The Maimer begins, by the way, you have now the source sheets in Zoom also. So you have it in Zoom as well, and you have it on the yeshiva.net. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, this is Tehillim, chapter 86, uh, 66, and we say it in davening, right? At night, in Mayriv. He placed, he placed our soul in life. <laughs> he took our soul and he, he cast it. He put it into life. <laughs> Interesting. And he did not allow our legs to falter. My father-in-law, the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, saying, my father-in-law, the Rebbe, this is his father-in-law, has a mimer of his own Chagagula when he was redeemed from the Soviet exile on Yud Beis Tammuz. So the year, Tofresh, Tzadik Dalet, 19... At 34, he would always say or publish a special Torah for the on honor of Yud Beis Tammuz as Chagagula. In 1934, he published a mimer, or he said a mimer, which begins with these words, which was really a way of celebrating his own unique destiny of being taken out of a place of death and his soul being placed in life, in a place of life, and his legs were preserved. They were not allowed to fall and falter. So my father-in-law explains in his Maimer, which begins with this Pasuk, that he said on his own Chagagula, Festival of Redemption, Yud Beis Tammuz 34, and it's connected to this day because the beginning of his Gula was on Gimel Tammuz, on the third day of Tammuz, as I explained in my introduction. So he says, a soul, by definition, is alive. So when you say, he placed my soul in life, it means 
that he placed my soul in a life that is even deeper and higher than the life of the soul on its own. A soul is synonymous with life. Soul doesn't die. A soul is life. Life doesn't die. The soul is alive. Nefesh is life. It's a soul. It's, it's spiritual electricity, spiritual vitality, spiritual energy. So it's law, it's alive. A soul is alive. Sasam nafshenu bachaya means I took something that's alive. He took something and he placed it in life. So he says that the life in which he placed his soul is obviously a deeper, a higher life than the life of the soul on its own. He hasam nafshenu, the soul is alive, but hasam nafshenu bachayim in a deeper life. The chaye ha nefesh because the life of the soul is limited. Dagam sha nefesh u chay be'etzim. Even though the soul is defined, is known in Kabbalah, in Chsidus, in Machshav, as Chai Be'etzem, which means it's essentially alive, its life is essential, deeper and higher than the fact that it extends life to the rest of the body. That's the element of the soul in which it gives life, it shares life with all the aspects of the body. And in that itself, there's Chayis Prati and there's Chayis Kloli. Chayis Prati is the individual, biochemical, the individual current of energy that every single part of the body receives from the soul, based on the central nervous system in the brain. And Chayis Kloli is the collective Chayis that the entire body gets collectively. That's what the soul gives the body. But beyond that, there's the soul itself. It's a Chay Be'etzim, it's essentially alive with or without the body. That's true. Even though the soul is alive, essentially, but the reason it's alive is because God, so to speak, imbued in the soul this nature, that it should be alive. So therefore... It's a gift imbued by Hashem, and therefore this vitality, this energy, is ultimately limited. means you took my soul and you placed our soul in a life that is beyond just the nature. The life of the soul itself, that the nefesh is because Hashem gave it that nature, that a soul is something that's alive. That's the nature of it. And because of that, ultimately, it's limited. This is its nature, based on its nature. Here he's saying, He placed my soul in a life. What's beyond the life of the soul itself? In a life that is beyond nature. And if he's looking at footnote 5, you see there's the footnote. So footnote 5 he brings from Rabbi Vadya Sifarno. Rabbi Vadya Sifarno, he translates... This pasuk in Tehillim, Hasam nafshenu b'chayim hu she'achiyanu bein umis ha'olam neged ha'teva. What does it mean? He placed my soul in life. A soul is alive. So the bed, the Sifarno explains that according to nature, the Jewish people collectively should have not been alive. Hasam nafshenu. He took our soul and he placed it in life. After among many nations over centuries and millennia, persecuted the Jewish people. According to nature, they should have not been here. And nonetheless, they're alive. He says, Negedateva, that's beyond nature. So that's how the Sephardim even explains it on a literal level, that it's talking about Klal Yisrael collectively, whose soul was placed in a 
realm of eternal life beyond nature, not subjected to the regular vicissitudes of historical currents, where according to the laws of nature, the Jewish people should have long been obsolete and gone. You know the famous article by Mark Twain, they always quote, why the Jewish people are still here, what's the secret of their endurance. That's Hasam Nafshenu Bachayim. On a deeper personal spiritual level, the Maimur explains, that there's the life of the soul on its own. It's a chai be'etzem, the nature that Hashem gave it. It's something that's alive. But Hasam Nafshenu Bachayim is even deeper. He takes that which is alive and casts it in life because this is a whole deeper life as he's going to explain. He's going to explain what this means. This is just the introduction of the Maimir. I'm sorry. The end of the first And that's what the Pasa continues. He did not allow our legs to falter. Our legs don't falter only when our souls are cast in a life which is beyond nature. As shall all be explained. To understand the reason for this, that the soul itself, which is alive, even when you tune into the essential life of the soul, beyond the life of the body, called Chai Be'etzem, still one's legs can falter. And the ability for is only from the Samnav Sheinu Bachayim, the life that is even beyond the soul, beyond nature. And also to understand why the Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayat, the Rebbe's father-in-law chose to say this Maimra on the Chagagul of Yud Beis Tammuz. What's the connection? Yes, let's give an introduction. And now the Maimra is going to go off completely on a different subject. Now he's going to go into Parshas Koirach. And only at the end will... The Lubavitcher Rebbe in this Maimah returned to this original Pasuk and Tehillim, Samachvav, Asam Nafshenu Bachayim, V'loi Nasan Lamait Raglenu. And God willing, when you're done with, when we finish this Maimah, when you say in Mairiv, when we speak about Asam Nafshenu Bachayim, V'loi Nasan Lamait Raglenu, which we say every single night after Krishna in Mairiv, it will have a whole new dimension and depth and meaning. We have to introduce the opening of this week's parsha. It says, ben Yitzar, ben Kahaz, ben Levi. Kairach, the son of Yitzar, the son of Kahaz, the son of Levi, took. What does Vayikach Kairach mean? He took. What did he take? What did he take? So the Tirgim Unkulos, the Unkulos, the great Aramaic translation says, Isbele Kairach. Vayikach Kairach means. He took himself away from Moshe, from the community. He split himself. But Ispilig, Ispilig comes from the word pilug, which is a split, like plukta. In Gemara, plukta means a machlaikas, a disputation, right? Plag, gufa means a half a body. Plag is a half. The Ispilig means he split himself. When you're part of the community, there is one whole. Vayikach kairach, he didn't take something else. He took himself. Split himself. He separated himself. He severed his connection with Moshe Rabbeinu, Aaron, the Jewish community. That's what the Zoyar says. 
The fascinating thing is, anywhere in Chumash where it says Vayikach, the Urkulus's translation is Venosiv. That's the Aramaic translation for taking. Here we would have also expected Vayikach Kairach, Venosiv Kairach. But here, the Targum gives a different translation, Ve'ispilik. And there's probably a good reason for this. Because usually Vayikach means you take something. You take something. But here, what did he take? What did Kairach take? He fought. He didn't take anything. So here the Unculus feels compelled to change the translation. Not Venosiv, but Ve'ispilik Kairach. Kairach split himself. Vayikach means he took himself aside and he became a splintered, fragmented entity, meaning he did not want to identify anymore with the system, with the regime, so to speak, with the hierarchy of the Jewish people as he continued his mutiny, protesting the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu and of Aaron Akai. But here we see a fascinating interpretation. The Isa B'Sefer Noyem Ali Melech. The Sefer Noyem Ali Melech says, The Ispilig Koyrach Wal Derech Rakia HaMavdil Bein Mayim Lamayim. The Noyem Ali Melech is a very famous Hasidic work. Many of you have heard about it. Noyem Ali Melech is one of the early Hasidic classic works that was authored by a man named Rabbi Elimelech of Lizhensk. Lizhensk is a city in Poland. Rabbi Melech of Lizhensk was born a short time after the Baal Shem Tov in the year Tov Ayin Zayin, which would be 1717. He was born 1717, Tov Ayin Zayin, and he passed away, Chaf Aleph Oder, Tov Kuf Mem Zayin, the 21st day of Oder in the year 1787. He was one of the great students of the Magad of Mizrich, who was, of course, the successor of the Baal Shem Tev, and became one of the greatest Hasidic masters in Poland. Till today, he's known as the Rebbe Reb Melech. The Rebbe Reb Melech, or the Rebbe Reb Melech of Lezhensk. Many years, not this year because of the corona, but every year on his yardside, Chafal of Adar, in recent years, a lot of people go to visit his resting place in Lezhensk in Poland. I was there a number of years ago, not on his yard site, in the, in the winter, in the earlier winter, with uh, a group of students. We went there to uh, we went to uh, to uh, to visit the gravesite of uh, of Rebbe Melech of Lezhensk. There is a story. I don't know if it's. Uh, I never verified it in the details. I mean, I just read it once, so I don't know if it. You know, sometimes stories are not completely authentic, but I just read it once. All the years there was an oil on the grave of Rebbe Melech of Lezhensk, and Hasidim and other Jews would come there to daven to the Rebbeinu Shalalim, as they do till today. The, the, the story goes that during the Holocaust, during the Second World War, the Germans demanded from Jews to dig open the grave. I don't know what the purpose of it was. I never read what the purpose was. They demanded from them to go to the grave and dig it open. And there's a story that goes in the name of people who were there and survived survived the war, that Rebbe Melech's body was mamish intact, the way it would be when a person is alive, even though he passed away Tovkuf Memzayan, which would be 1787, 1787. So you're dealing with more than a century later, a hundred years later, but his body was mamish intact. 
And after the Germans left, the Jewish people did not want uh, him to remain there because they would just destroy all the cemeteries and all the graves. And they uh, re- they they placed the body nearby elsewhere. And I don't know the authenticity of this story, but it's uh, it's quite an interesting episode. He wrote a sefer called Noyem Elimelech. Noyem Elimelech means the sweetness of Elimelech. This mimer of the Lubavitcher Rebbe is based on this interpretation of the Noyem Elimelech. That Ve'ispilek, when it says Ve'ispilek, Kairach split himself, go back to the first split. What was the first split? Monday of creation. Now we go back to Bereshus. You remember? On the first day there was only water. The beginning when God created heaven and earth, it says the Spirit of God hovered over the water and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Great. Hashem called light day, darkness he called night. Day one. What happens day two? God says, I hope you remember the story in the beginning of Genesis. Let there be a firmament in the water and let it separate between waters. There's the higher water above the heaven and there's the mayim under the rakia, the lower waters, mayim tachtoinim. That happens on Monday. There's a firmament that splits the water into two. There's higher water, mayim alyonim, there's lower water, mayim tachtoinim. That's what happens on the Monday. What happens on Tuesday? On Tuesday, God says, Let all the lower water under the heaven retreat and gather into individual locations so that dry land can appear. And that's when oceans are created, lakes, seas, rivers, wellsprings, canals, ponds. These are all bodies of water, large or small, which have retreated to particular locations so dry land can emerge rather than being completely submerged in the water. That happens on Tuesday. Also, something else happens on Tuesday. Once there's dry land, God says, Let the earth sprout forth with its vegetation and produce. That's Yom HaShlishi, the third day. Comes the Noyem Elimelech and says, when the Targum says, Koyrach split himself off. He created a split between himself and the rest of the Jewish people. This is similar to what happened on Monday, the Rakia, the heaven, which separated, God said, let there be a Rakia, which will make a Ispilig, a Plukta, a split between the higher water and the lower water. Now, this is very strange. What in the world is the connection between Ve'ispelik, Kairach, Kairach is making a machloikas against Moshe and Aaron? What is the connection between that and the split of the waters on the second day of creation? The Noyem Elimelech says it. I opened up the Noyem Elimelech this morning. And he says, Va'yikach Kairach, the Noyem Elimelech, Reb Melech of Lejans. Targumai Ve'ispelik. He says, Ve'ispelik. So he says, to understand this Targum, you have to know what it says in Bereshis, Perik, Aleph, Pasuk, Vav, there should be a firmament in the heaven, and it should split the water, a higher water from the lower water. And the, the Noyam Elimelech goes into his whole explanation. So the Rebbe says, the Tzemach Tzedek, the Tzemach Tzedek has an explanation on this shtickle of Noyam Elimelech. Just I uh, like giving the history so people know who is the Tzemach Tzedek. Tzemach Tzedek was actually, the, na- the Rebbe's namesake was the Tzemach Tzedek. Tzemach Tzedek was a grandson of the Balatanya. The Balatanya Rebbe Shnei Zaman of Liadi, 
who was a colleague of Reb Melech of Lezhensk, had a daughter, and his daughter's son was the Tzemach Tzedek, Reb Menachem Mendel of Lubavitch, who succeeded his father-in-law and his, uh, and his uncle, the Mittler Rebbe, after his passing. He was the third Rebbe in the Chabad dynasty. He's known as the Tzemach Tzedek, which is the name of his forum, Shal Sechuvah Tzemach Tzedek. He was one of the great halachic authorities of his times as well. Tzemach Tzedek passed away, Tofresh Chavov. Tofresh Chavov would be 1866. That's almost a century after Reb Melech of Lezhensk. Tzemach Tzedek was born two years after Reb Melech passed away. He has a sefer, a set of svarim called Oyr HaToyr, on the parish Oyr HaToyr. It's around, uh, I don't know if you can see it in the video, but it's, uh, I don't know, like 30, 40 books, Oyr HaToyr. In Oyr HaToyr, parish is Koyrach, the Tzemach Tzedek quotes this Noyem Elimelech about Vayikach Koyrach. And the Tzemach Tzedek says, Mavayra Tzemach Tzedek, Tzemach Tzedek says as follows, The Pirur Zeshev is spelled Koyrach, who are derech rekiyah mavdul, who are pima de'isa b'zoyah. The Noyem Elimelech was not speaking in a vacuum. This idea that Koyrach split has to do with the split of the water on the second day of creation is based on a comment in the Zohar. The Zohar teaches us, by the way, everything is footnoted. So you see when it says Zohar, it says footnote 9. So if somebody wants to look it up, you see footnote 9. And you go to footnote 9 on the bottom and you can see Zohar, Chelek, Aleph, Daf, Yud, Zion. Everything is footnoted. The Rebbe was very makbed. He was very meticulous, unlike in previous generations, that everything should be referenced and footnoted. Because as I heard from him once, he said, because the main focus is that people should learn all the, they should learn all the sources. So that's why he wanted everything footnoted so people could learn the sources. So the Zoyar says, the Rakia Hamavdil have a machloikas smaller beyamina kegavna da machloikas koyrechbar. The Zoyar makes the enigma a little more mysterious. The Zoyar says that the machloikas of the second day of creation, the firmament that splits the water, is the fight between the left and the right. Smaller beyamina. The machloikas, the dispute of the left versus the right. And what is this? Republicans versus the Democrats, the right wingers versus the left wingers, the Trumps, the Trump, the, tr- the pro-Trump supporters and anti-Trumps. What's this machloikas smaller bimina? On the second day of creation, they were already fighting about President Trump. Lahavdil. What's the smaller bimina? Kegavna dam machloikas koyrech ba'aron. And so he says that's similar to the fight of koyrech against Aaron. It's the fight of smoil and yamin between the left and the right. So we see the Noyem Elimelech wasn't just throwing out an idea of Ispilig is like the split of the heavens. It's based on the Zoyer. The Zoyer says that the split of the second day is Smoil and Yemin, left and right, which is a reflection of the Machloikas of the fight of Kerech against that. The Mizem Muvan, Shashaych is the Ispilig Kerech Lerakiyah Mavdil. He learned up in the Shashaych the Machloikas. Eze Machloikas Shatiyeh Merakiyah Mavdil. From this we understand a new depth. Literally, you would explain the Noyem Elimelech that the connection between Kairach splitting away from Moshe and Aaron and the heaven splitting the water is because all Machloikas begins with the second day of creation. When the firmament split the water, that's the origin of Machloikas. Kedisa Medrash. In fact, it says in Medrash Rabbah, as he says in footnote 10, the Medrash tells us, this is Medrash Rabbah, Parshas Bereshis, 
Parsha Dalad, Bereshis, you see, footnote 10, Bereshis Rabbah, Parsha Dalad Vav, Medrash Rabbah, section 4, chapter 4, section 10, says the Medrash, Loma Inksiv Bisheni Kitoiv, Sheboy Nivras Machloikus Shenema Vimavdil Ben Mayim Lamai. The only day of creation where it doesn't say Kitoiv is Monday. Sunday it says Hashem saw was good. Tuesday it was good, and Wednesday it was good, Thursday it was good, Friday he saw everything he did, it was very good. One day it does not say that God saw it was good. When? Monday. Why not? Why not? So you know what the Medrash says? Because Machloikas was created on Monday. It's an amazing Medrash. The concept of Machloikas, of a split, of a fight, of a dispute started on Monday. Why? Which machlaikas? Machlaikas between the water. There should be a heaven, a firmament, that separates. The concept of a split, of a machlaikas, what we call a quarrel, a fight, began, the word machlaikas comes from the word yachloiku, right? Like we have in Baba Metziah, Shnayimachs and Betalas, two people are holding a cloak, everyone says it's mine, yachloiku, they split. It's a split. When was the first split in existence? On Monday. God doesn't see that it's good. He made the Machlaikas, but he doesn't say it's good. That's what the Medrash says. What do we learn from this Medrash? That the genesis of Machlaikas in the world happens on the first Monday of creation. Even though then it was a divine act. It was not a human act. It was no human being. It was a completely divine act, part of the design of creation. And it's the reason we have water. (laughs) And nobody is surviving without water because how much percent of our body is water? 60 or 70% of our body is water. And 92% of our blood cells is made up of water. And we live nine months in water. And we survive on water. And everybody and everything survives on water. So it's this split that allowed for the lower water. But nonetheless, Monday created the split. So then we can explain. That's what the Noem Ali Melech meant. That Kairach, who fought... This major fight against Moshe and Aaron. and Koirach staged a mutiny, a rebellion against Moshe and Aaron. He made a machlaikas. Where does it begin? It begins in the genesis, in the progenitor, in the mother of all fights. What's the mother of all machlaikas? Monday of creation, when God split the water. That's what we would say naturally is the meaning of the Noyam Alimelech's words. The Ishpilei Koirach goes back to the first split. But from the Tzemach Tzedek's association of the Noyem Elimelech's interpretation with the Zoyer, we see it's not just a cute comment that it all began on Monday, but there's actually a thematic, a thematic connection. It's not just a general connection. All Machloikas began on Monday. There's a thematic connection. That's what he says. Elishagam Machloikas zu befrat. Machloikas kairich ba'anani dugmas v'sharshia Machloikas derekiyah hamavta. The connection between Machlaikas and Monday is every Machlaikas. Any time there is a split, you can blame it on the split of the of the water. That's true. What we're saying here is it's deeper than that. This individual Machlaikas with its theme, the fight of Kairach against Aaron, is a reflection of that split that the firmament created on the second day, and it's rooted in it. That is the source of this Machlaikas. The Kamoy, 
v'adanu b'kav ha'chesed yimin, v'koydach shayelevehim abchinas gvur esmael. Just like the split on the second day is the split between left and right, the same is true, koyrech and Aaron. Aaron represents the energy of chesed. It says in Zoyar that koyanim come from the chamber of love. We say in Perkeyavis, Heve mi talmidav shal Aaron, Oyev shalom, v'roidav shalom, Oyev esabrius, umekarvan latayra. Be the student from the students of Aaron, Hillel tells us in chapter one of the ethics. Love peace, pursue peace, love people. Aaron generally represents the kav of chesed. The kav is the line, the component, the dimension of loving kindness and benevolence. Koyrech shayalevi, Koyrech was a Levite. Koyrech was a cousin of Aaron. They both came from Shevet Levi. Levi had three sons, Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. And from Kahas, you had the family of Aaron and Moshe. Because Kahas had a son, Amram. Amram. And Amram, of course, his son was Aaron, who was the Kayan, and Moshe, and Miriam. And then Kahas had another son. He had Yitzar. And Koyrech was the son of Yitzar. So Koyrech was a first cousin of Moshe and Aaron. Mamusha first cousin, because their fathers were siblings. Moshe and Aaron's father was Amram. Kairach's father was Yitzar. And Amram and Yitzar were both brothers. They were children of Kahas. You're looking at me as I'm brilliant. This says in Chumash. I didn't invent this. If you'd learned Chumash, you would know this as well. So therefore, Kairach was from Levi. Levi was, he was a Levi. He was a Levite. The Leviim are known as coming from the level of Gvura, smile, strength, discipline, boundaries, not Kayanim. Aaron is Chesed, Kairach is Gvura. Kairach splits away from Aaron. He makes, he creates a dispute with Aaron. He stages a mutiny against Aaron. This is rooted and it's a replica of the split of Monday of creation. It was also the split of Gvura and Chesed. So this in summation is how the Tzemach Tzedek understands the depth of the words of the Holy Noyem Elimelech, the Rebbe of Melech of Lezhensk, which are rooted in the interpretation of Zohar about that split. Every Machlaikas is rooted in the first Machlaikas of Monday, but this one specifically because of its content and its theme. Let's see if there's any questions before we go to the next paragraph. So somebody mentions that Dor Haflaga also means a split. Haflaga is also a split. And because they were splintered, right? The Pasuk says at the end of Noyach that everybody spoke one language, a common language. And they decided to build a tower and make for themselves a name. And they were worried about being scattered, pen And then Hashem ultimately splits them, right? Biyam of Nifliga Ha'aretz, the expression in Chumashes. In the days of Peleg, in the days of Peleg, Nifliga Ha'aretz. So Dor HaFlaga means a split. They were splintered. You're right. It's a very good comment. In fact, Rabbeinu Bechaya and the Megala Amukas have a whole Torah that the Kairach and his people were a reincarnation of the Dor HaFlaga. A second proof to that is they are associated in the Torah as Anshe shame, men of name, men of renown. Very unique expression, Anshe shame. Where is that expression used before? We always do Gzereshava. Let's remember whenever you have an expression in Chumash, you have to think, where is that used? It's used by the Derha Flugger. When they build the tower, they said, Let's make a name for ourselves. It is also connected with the Derha 
Haflaga as well. And in fact, there's my Morim that explain the deeper connection between Kairich and the Dari Haflaga. Very good comment. Okay. Next question. The first comment was from Reb Aaron. Thank you. The next is from Reb Moshe. Fine. We can also add the Shnei in Yonim Elu. The Shnei in Yonim Elu Shabbat on a deeper level, these two themes that Kairach fought, he created a machlaikis, and he fought against Aaron, these two are actually connected. It's not just, we said, that every machlaikis is rooted in the first machlaikis of Monday, but particularly. This machlaikas is rooted in the theme of the first Monday machlaikas. The two concepts are actually connected. Why was machlaikas taka created on Monday? Why Monday? And the answer is because... Monday represents Gvura. The first day of creation, every day of the seven days of creation represents a different energy, a different middah. The Zoyar says, Kol Hashem made on every day the creations that are a reflection of that particular attribute. Sunday every week is a reflection of Midas HaChesed. The attribute of love vibrates in the universe. Monday is Midas HaGvura, the attribute of Gvura. Not just because you go back to work. <laughs> Maybe that too. But Monday is connected with Gvura. Tuesday is connected to Teferis. Revi Netzach. Thursday, Hoid. Friday, Yisoyed. And Shabbos is connected to Malchus. So the first day is Midas HaChesed. It's the attribute of Chesed, which is Yimin. The right is associated with kindness. The second day is Midas HaGvura. The attribute of Gvura, strength, discipline, boundaries, which is associated with the left. And whenever there's gvura, there's room for a split. Because what's the gvura? Gvura means there's boundaries, there's limits. Gvura is categorization. Gvura is strictness. Gvura is discipline. Mitzad gvura, there's room for a machlaikas. There's differences, there's distinctions, there's disputes. Chesed is love, it's benevolence, it connects everything, it integrates everything, it, it's, it sees the oneness. Gvura focuses on the differences. That's what boundaries are. Boundaries are, what does boundaries mean? It means we're different. I have my space, you have your space. Chesed obliterates differences, or denies differences, or ignores differences, or doesn't see differences. That's what chesed is, that's the energy of chesed. Gvura is a very different energy. Gvura is based on differences. That's what Gvura is based. That's why there's boundaries. Boundaries is, I need my space, you need your space. And you cannot cross, you cannot trespass. Why? Because trespassing is going to be destructive. It's going to be unhealthy. That's why chesed is so important, because chesed is the connection. But Gvura is equally important, because Gvura represents the fact that there are limits. There is a system. There is boundaries. Now, some people are very, very good at chesed, 
Some people are very, very good at Gvura. We could do a poll now if we want on Zoom. We could do a poll and everybody could say what they're good at. But just think about, is your weakness chesed? Are you good in Gvura and weak in chesed? Or are you powerful in chesed, but your weakness is in Gvura? So Gvura is connected to Machloikas because Gvura creates room for miscommunication, for a split, for separateness. That's Gvura. The Zayar says, The Zayar says there that in the rightness, in the right, that's where you see perfection. And on the right, on Chesed, depends all perfection. When the left gets aroused, Machloikas gets aroused. That's what the Zayar says. According to this, you could say the following. The main theme of Kairach is Machlaikas, the fight. That's why the Gemara says in Sanhedrin Kufyut, somebody who holds on to a Machlaikas transgresses a lav, a sin. The Pasik says, in this week, as you see in footnote 15, the Pasik says, He should not be like Kairach and his community. When somebody holds on to a Machlaikas, he transgresses this verse. Now it doesn't say what Machlaikas, any Machlaikas. It should say, a machloikis, which is similar to kairach. No, any machloikis, you're already transgressing the pasik, which says, don't be like kairach. But how could you compare? What if I'm fighting for a different cause? From here we learn that kairach's theme is machloikis. It doesn't matter what. If there's a machloikis, it's rooted in kairach. The details of the machloikis, that's a second subject. And that's where the Gemara says, If I hold on to a machloikas, we'll see later what that means. If I hold on to a machloikas, if I hold on to this fight, I am already transgressing the Avera, the mitzvah, the Pasuk that says, do not be like Kairach. Even though my machloikas may be a very different issue. But what do we learn from here? That the essence of Kairach is machloikas. And the fact that he... He fought with Aaron was just the manifestation of the essential theme. Kairach's theme is Machlaikas. How do you make Machlaikas powerful? By making Gvura more powerful than Chesed. The moment Gvura becomes more powerful than Chesed, now Machlaikas is given powerful legitimacy. You need Gvura, but when Gvura is subservient to Chesed, Machlaikas doesn't have legitimacy. When the Gvura becomes the main thing and the Chesed becomes subservient to Gvura, now Machlaikas can thrive. In other words, when distinctions, boundaries, categorizations, systems, discipline, separation is a detail in Chesed, it's subservient to Chesed. From that, there's no Machlaikas. Kairach's theme was Machlaikas. How do you give Machlaikas such power? When Gvura can overshadow Chesed, when Gvura overshadows Chesed, now there could be Machlaikas. You'll see all Machlaikas in the world is associated from the fact that the Gvura overshadowed and eclipsed the Chesed. 
Kairach was Gvura, Aaron was Chesed. By defeating Aaron in his mind, Gvura prevails. If Gvura prevails, the concept of Machlekes prevails. So the two themes now suddenly became connected. We said before that every Machlekes is rooted in Monday, but in this case it's not just everyone, it's the specifics of left versus right. Now we're saying the two things are really connected. Because the reason Machlaikas happened on Monday is because it's Midas HaGvura. So by putting Gvura against Chesed and having Gvura be more powerful than Chesed, the very institution of Machlaikas is given extraordinary power, substance, and legitimacy. But Vitzarich Lohav, and here we have to understand this whole premise. Hare Kairach Pikeyachoyo. Kairach was a wise man. Kairach was a wise man. Chazal say in Medrash, Parshas Kairach, Rashi quotes it, Kairach was no fool. If that's the case, it's logical to say that the reason he fought Aaron was because he made a mistake in his ways, in his understanding of Avodah Hashem. If Kairach was a pikeach, it means that even his fight came from a place of wisdom. If so, his fight against Aaron was because of an error in how he understood what is the right way to serve God. What would then be the spiritual wisdom in desiring fighting and disputations and quarreling and bickering? I could understand why he argues and fights with Aaron, you could say. Kairach felt that Avaidah's Hashem has to be primarily in the attribute of Gvura. He fought with Aaron, whose Avaidah was Chesed. There could be different opinions. Some people feel the main Avaidah has to be through the Kav of Gvura. And some through the Kavachasat. We still argue about this, right? The balance between love and discipline. The balance between saying yes and saying no. Everybody knows you need both. If you have only Chesed without Gvura, it's an absolute disaster. If you have only Gvura without Chesed, it's an absolute disaster. So Koirach felt the main avoid is Gvura. Aaron felt the main avoid is Chesed. That I can understand. That doesn't mean you're not a pikeach. It means you're making a mistake. But according to our explanation, that Kairach wanted Gvura to prevail over Chesed, not because he had a different perspective in Avodah Hashem, like Beishamai versus Beisil, but because he wanted to give strength and substance to the existence of Machlaikas. And Machlaikas was created on Monday, which is the day of Gvura. And that's why Kairach wanted Gvura to prevail, so that Machlaikas should have power. Because it's the Gvura of life that allows for all Machlaikas. That's why he wanted Gvura to prevail. Now is the question, how could a wise person think that Machlaikas is a derech bavaydas Hashem? Beautiful wording. How can anybody think that Machlaikas, that fighting is a path in God's service. I can understand that Gvura is a path in God's service. Maybe the primary path, as Kairach believed. But that Machloikas is a derech in Avodah Hashem. Where does this come from? And Kairach was a pikeach, which means, don't just dismiss him 
as an insignificant, inconsequential, foolish, narcissistic, hedonistic, self-centered, self-absorbed rabble-rouser. Koyrach pikeach means one has to study Koyrach, one has to understand Koyrach. The Choyz of Lublin, the Holy Seer of Lublin, was a levy, right? And he he was once speaking by Shesh Kairach, he said, the Heilek Zayde Kairach, which means the Holy Zayde Kairach. What did he mean by the Holy Zayde Kairach? Kairach, you know, sometimes you look at Kairach, and he's just this the horrific rabble-rouser. And the Chayz of Lublin, who was, by the way, a student of the Noyem Elimelech, <laughs> the Seer of Lublin was a student of the Noyem Elimelech, one of his one of his great students, so the Chayz of Lublin, Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak Horowitz, who was a levy, once said, the Helik is Zayde Kairach. My holy, my holy Zayde Kairach. In other words, you have to understand Kairach, even if he made a mistake. Ask still Rebbe, what's the pikchis, what's the wisdom in saying that Machloikis is a path in Avodah Hashem? What does this mean? How can you say that? Furthermore, the Targum says what's Vayikach v'ispelik, Kairach split. And the Noyim Alimelech says that's like the firmament that created a split. But the name of Kairach himself represents the firmament that's the firmament that splits the water. This is interesting. Kairach's name himself represents already the Rakia Hamavdal. Kairach's name himself. As the Samach Tzedek says, that Koirach's name, the Pasuk says in Yecheskel, Rakia, you have a Rakia firmament, Ke'ein HaKerach, which looks like the ice. However you understand that verse in Yecheskel, in the famous vision of Yecheskel, Rakia Ke'ein HaKerach. So Kerach itself, Koirach itself, Kufreish Ches, already represents a Rakia. Before Vayikach Koirach. So just the word Koirach already is the Rakia Hamavdil, because Rakia Keina Kerach. What's now the addition of Ayikach Koirach, even a deeper element in this Rakia? Like two stages, what is the explanation in that? Of course, also the word Koirach is Kufreish Ches, which in Hebrew means Kireach. Kireach or Karachas means a bald spot. So if you tear out here from a particular place, you create a separation create a bald spot between one section of the head which has hair and the other section of the head which has hair. And this is like a machloikas, kireach, it's like a bald spot. You have in Meseches Kilayim something called uh, karachas hakerem, the bald spot in the vineyard, the bald spot in the vineyard. If I have a vine, a vineyard, and I want to plant grain, and you're not allowed to plant grain in a vineyard unless you create a bald spot. In other words, you have to have a section of the vineyard which is empty, which is bald. It's called karachas, koirach, kireach. And then if you have enough space, how much space you need, you could plant grain in the vineyard. So here too, it's a concept of machlaikas, because whenever you create a machlaikas, you create a split. 
So now you're on this side, I'm on this side, and there is a gulf, there is a bald spot that separates us, and there's no connection. So just the name Kairach and the word Kerach already represents the Rakia Hamavdal. Even before Vayikach Kairach. But it's the Targum that says there's another element, Vayikach. This Kairach went further. The split was taken even further. That means there's two stages there. What is the addition of number two over number one? So actually, this concludes the first section, the introduction, that creates the buildup of the Mimer, which starts leading into the explanation. Let me take some questions. Is, is the political left more related to Chesed or more related to Gvura? That's a politically loaded question. And whatever I answer will not be politically correct, will it? The political left is a complicated phenomenon and uh, it's certainly above my pay grade to analyze, certainly at this moment. Somebody says, certainly there are fights that are holy and correct. The Rebbe himself was jailed in 1927 because of his machloikas with communism. Yeah. Rashi says that Aaron told... Moshe told Kairach, you're fighting with God because God is the one who told me to give the priesthood to Aaron and it's not our personal fight. What Mida does Moshe represent in this discussion? Okay, good question, good question. Okay, these are all good questions and God willing, as the Mimer continues, this will become clear because um, this, this is just like setting everything in place to actually begin, to actually begin, uh, begin the explanation. So, what's the exercise of today's shear? The exercise of today's shear is: let's summarize what we learned, and uh, God willing, we will resume on uh, Thursday morning, uh, seven thirty. So, we learned the concept of the whole explanation, and then we learned about the Noyem Elimelech Vayikach Kairach and the Zoyar's explanation, and the connection between Kairach's Machleikas and the Machleikas of Monday, and the idea that all Machleikas is rooted in Gvura, and Kairach wanted Machleikas to be powerful, and that's why he wanted Gvura to prevail over Aaron, and we were left with the question, what would be the wisdom behind this perception, and behind this idea, and finally, the name itself, Kairach's name itself represents the split. What's the additional aspect that comes from Vayikach Kairach, from Ve'ispele Kairach? Those who want, since you have the source sheets, you could continue learning on your own, as they call in Yeshiva, make a lenun, continue learning on your own and try to understand it to the best of your ability. And then you'll certainly appreciate the next year much more because you will have already learned at least the basic information. And if you don't understand everything, that's also fine. I would think it's a good idea for those of you who can and even if you can't, if you want, you could, to prepare this Mimer and learn it further on your own, almost till the end, or till the end, and then at the next year, I think you'll be able to understand it much better. But let me leave you with this exercise, which I think would be very, very, very beneficial to all of us, and that is look at the balance in your life between Chesed and Gvura. As we said, Aaron is Chesed and Kairach is Gvura. 
Both of them are necessary in life. If they wouldn't be necessary, they wouldn't be existing. The first day is chesed, the second day is gvura. But the question is, what prevails over what? So ask yourself this question. Is there chesed in your life? How is that chesed doing? Is there gvura in your life? How is that gvura doing? But what's the eco? What's the ecosystem has to be balanced, you know, give and take. What is the balance between chesed and gvura? Some of us are very good with chesed. It's our natural disposition. With gvura, we run away from gvura. Maybe because we were traumatized by people who had a lot of gvura, and therefore we go to the other extreme. So therefore we're allergic. Some of us are allergic to gvura because we see gvura as abuse. Because maybe that's what we experienced, or we're just frightened. So we think we're going to go the other extreme. But it's really coming from weakness. It's not coming from strength. Because from strength, you have to have chesed and you have to have gvura. Other people are very good at gvura. But their chesed, they may have never seen it in their life. Or maybe they're afraid of it. Or maybe they had some experience with it, which was very, very negative. It did not do well for them. It was like anarchy and chaos. So they go to other, the other extreme with gvura. And it's important that we can evaluate these aspects in our lives, especially how we deal with ourselves, with our spouse, with our children, with our grandchildren, with our students, with our employees, with our partners, with our employer, with our friends, to be able to see this balance. And the key here is, you need chesed, you need gvura, but the gvura cannot overshadow the chesed. The gvura has to be subservient to chesed, not the other way around. Meaning, the purpose of gvura is love. The purpose of love is not gvura. The purpose of love is chesed. The purpose of gvura is chesed. The purpose of boundaries, of discipline, of structure, of saying no is that there should be a deeper connection. When it becomes the other way around, the purpose of the connection is to create the boundaries and the structures and the whole point of the love becomes overshadowed by the gvura. In other words, the gvura becomes the dominant feature, then ultimately the person is missing is missing the point. So gvura you must have, chesed you must have. People who don't believe in one of them are badly mistaken because they're both in very important components. But you have to remember that the gvura is a tool for chesed. The chesed is not a tool for gvura. You need space, you need boundaries, there's discipline, there's consequences, there's being present, there's the ability to say no when you know that saying yes is destructive. But the reason you say no is so that the yes should be a stronger yes, not that the no becomes more powerful than the yes. And frankly, that balance is not easy. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for many of us. This is something we have to work on. Kairach somehow wanted to turn the gvura into the primary principle of life, as we shall see. Tomorrow morning, God willing, 9.30 a.m., there will be a class for women and uh, Tuesday uh, Tuesday afternoon and Tuesday evening, we have live lectures as well as Wednesday evening as well as Thursday evening. They'll all be on the yeshiva.net so you could see them there. This year will resume, God willing, Thursday morning, 7.30 a.m. It's also Gimel Tamos, the Yom Hayalula of the Rebbe. And I wish you all a beautiful and inspiring and meaningful and uplifting and beloved week. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.